And I have Tim Wenders. I didn't ask you how to say your name. I do this every time. Is that how you saw your last name? Oh, good. That's okay, correct. That is good, correct. Good, good, good. I always have this like moment of panic when I looked at him. I'm like, wait, I didn't ask. <laughs> and you think I get smarter and I don't. I don't get smarter. So it's just how it goes. But we were having a great conversation in the back room. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and hit record. Oh, and I don't want to miss this. But we were talking about... Um, Tim is a self-proclaimed nomad, and he lives in an RV with his wife, and we were kind of sharing some stories back and forth on, and I know my listeners have heard this story before because I think it traumatized me on one one level or another, of my tiny house uh, moments, because I know after, right after that fact is when everybody's like, oh, tiny homes, tiny homes, and I'm like, no, it's a gimmick, it's not a good thing for me. Um, I experienced it before. It was a cool thing, and it wasn't a good thing for me. But you said you kind of like it, but you are an empty nester. I'm gonna let you kind of dive in and kind of share a little bit about what you were sharing. Yeah, we, um, my wife and I, uh, our children are grown. We've got grandchildren now, and it's interesting. I think we were talking about. I, I love the mashup of successfully chaotic because I think yeah. a lot of people would try to say success equals order chaos equals unsuccess, but yet you bring those together. And, and I, I kind of like, when I flipped on the mic, I said, all right, Maria, it's, it's kind of like chaos here. <laughs> our two-year-old granddaughter's in the back of the RV. My wife's putting her down for a nap. Our, our grown son just drove in from Wyoming just to visit. And he surprised us right before. <laughs> so, and you said, can we do this another time? I go, no, this is the perfect time. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, uh, I know, get it. So we, so we just kind of live that type life. But I think the comment I was making is my wife and I typically in living in this 39 foot space, that's our RV. It's usually fairly peaceful and calm most of the time. And then I had a unique situation just a few weeks ago when my wife went down to Colorado Springs to visit with our daughter and, and our second grandchild being born. And it was me and me only in this space for about 10 might've been 10 or 12 days. And it was, in fact, like after two or three days, I thought I would just like be digging it for a long time. I got a little bit lonely. It was almost too quiet. I was like going, okay, what do I do with my time? I've got my exercise habit back in. I'm, I'm eating a little bit in a good rhythm. I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of a neat type tidy person. It's like, you know, there's a lot of neatness around me, but darn, I, I definitely miss my wife. And I definitely at times miss the two-year-old the granddaughter that runs around and just a bundle of joy. So, uh, you know, I think part of life is just understanding the seasons that we're in and what we're sure. doing to define success now. And, and then also rolling with it because, you know, we could be just going along. Things are just kind of in a flow and then bam, something happens like a pandemic or, you know, there's sickness or business or our situation. We went through some financial challenges and I, I think that's part of life. We have to embrace that. Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, life is very much that ebb and flow. And, you know, honestly, you were mentioning just the, the, the title uh, of the show. It, 
I wanted this title just because that is life, right? It's definitely my life. <laughs> it's definitely my life, but it's most people's life. You know, it's one, you know, side or another of that. Um, mine's always been more on the chaotic side. Um, back to have, I have seven kids and I also, my oldest has two kids. So I'm, I'm a grandma too at this point, um, which still sounds weird to me. I don't know why, but it just does. I haven't got used to the title all the way yet, but um, here I am. But, you know, saying that, you know, a lot of people do realize that, you know, they've got some type of or some level of chaos in their life. But a lot of times if, if they're not careful, they can um, have that be something that stands in the way of them trying to achieve any type of success. And you can fill in the blank of what, you know, the definition of success is for you, because I, I believe that wholeheartedly on you have to define your own, you know, definition of success. But, you know, if I waited until my life was calm to try to do anything, I would will have never done nothing, I can assure you. <laughs> And I think it's the truth for most people. And, you know, and I, I, for me, that was one of the reasons of wanting to kind of step out and, you know, and then if you listen to, especially way, way back when I first started the show, I tell all everything. I tell all the sides and angles, even some of the terrible parts of my life. And the reason that I did that was, well, number one, it was kind of healing. But number two, I wanted people to not just see me if I'm up speaking somewhere or not see me, you know, as I start this other business or whatever. I wanted them to realize that, you know, well, I didn't get anything handed to me, first of all. Second of all, that they can do it too. No matter where you're at in your life right now, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your chaos is, you can define what you want your success to be and start taking those steps. And so, you know, I, I love hearing people's stories. I, lo I love the idea of the RV living. And like I was telling you before we went live, not why I have my children in the house, though I have completely come to the conclusion that doesn't work for me, but maybe whenever the children are completely out of the house, um, it's, it's another thing that I'm excited to see if that will be another part of my chaos. <laughs> so Maria is, is fast. I love this conversation because this is really everything that I do falls into this conversation we're having. If I were to put a tagline underneath my life right now, it would be redefining success. And that emphasis on redefining it, which is which it relates. So you and I, our shows are kind of siblings because we've got a podcast that's called Seek, Go, Create that in the tagline is redefining success. And we throw in in business, leadership and ministry, but it's basically in life. You know, we're redefining success and everything. And, a, and the book that I just wrote, it's a novel and it's a story and it's about a guy that's got to go through this painful process of redefining what success is. And the reason that's so significant for for me and us, Maria, is because that's what we've had to do. You know, it's not as if we look at other people and define success. I, I want to make sure that that's clear. I think one of the big challenges that we have in our society, our culture today, is because of social media, because maybe even things like this. I mean, there might be someone who's going to listen in and go, oh, I should live a life like Tim. No, that's not the message that we want to convey. <laughs> I, I don't mind conveying that you can live differently. There's a lot of ways you can find your own success. Uh, you know, there might be a lot of chaos along the way, but I think we're all created and this gets a little spiritual. I think that's okay. I think yeah. we're created to live a unique and different life for us. And our mission is to find what that is, not look on, not look at other people and go, Oh, I need to have that business or that job or I need to own that type of car or live in that type of house or live in an RV 
or, you know, live the van life or whatever it is, man, it's to find what that success is for you. And here's the, uh, I'm going to, I love this chaos conversation because what it, what it does is it adds a unique layer, Maria, in that what most people want to do, and I say most, this is not everyone, but most people, they want to control their world. And so not only are they defining success typically by what other people are doing, but they're also trying to live with a certain degree of control. And I'm going to throw in a word comfort. And so what it does, and for those that aren't watching, I'm taking my hands and I'm kind of bringing them together. It causes our lives to be smaller than it should be. We're, we're really compressing the opportunities and the, and the um, possibilities in our lives because we're trying to control, live without chaos and things like that. And we're comparing. And so when we do all that, we end up living in all likelihood, not our best life. And, and for us, just a little bit of background, we were forced into this. We were, um, I mean, you know, if you want a little bit of background story here, this might be a good time, yeah. Maria. We, we would have, you would have looked at us in 2005, six, seven, eight, we were living in country club community. 117 holes of golf, had a Ritz Carlton as a neighbor, big house, 6,000 plus square feet. Um, all the trappings, everything looked great. Owned three businesses. All of those businesses were seven figure plus companies. And then in 2008, Maria, all of those businesses, because they were in real estate, <laughs> they all began to disintegrate and deteriorate. So for the next five years, we went on this slow painful process of watching all of that disintegrate. And by the time 2013 rolled along, my wife and I were bankrupt. We had lost all the home and most of the business stuff. I mean, it was dispersed and all gone. So in 2013, we put a couple of things that we had in an old Honda van that was still the vehicle that we kept and we hit the road and we've been traveling ever since 2013. So, so our nomad life wasn't necessarily by choice. It was almost by force, but now we look back and we're so thankful that that happened because we would never be doing what we're doing. If it weren't for that, we would still probably be comfortable and, you know, living a certain life and defining Cess by other people's terms. Yep. I was making some notes while you were speaking. A couple of things stuck out to me. Um, you, while you were telling your story, you you told a story that people would think, oh my goodness, that's failure, right? Oh my gosh, you failed at the business. The business has failed and you know, all those things. Um, it's been my experience because I failed a whole lot. And I make sure I say that, I failed a lot. I've had some successes, but I had a lot of failures, like most people. I I feel, and this sounds kind of crazy if, if you don't think about it, but I feel more almost freed you know, I feel more free after my failures on stuff than I have from my successes, almost more fulfilled from the failures than I have been from the successes. Maybe not that day or that even that month, but later looking back going, okay, well, I, I dodged that bullet. I, cause most of the time there was some things going on before I finally just got to let it go. You know, I'm trying to hold all the pieces together and I'm stressing myself out, trying to hold it together, hold it together, hold it together. When it was very clear, it was done, right? It was, it was done. And I'm trying to fix it. And I'm using quotation marks, trying to fix it. But really, I was causing myself so much more stress. And finally, when there was no more, you know, quote, unquote, fixing it anymore, I had to let it go. There was a sense of just freedom, right? Like, I could breathe again. 
And, you know, I, I wonder, and you can tell me if you did feel that way or didn't feel that way, when you finally did load everything up in that van, you know, I'm sure there was a, a sense of sadness, a sense of loss or whatever, but was it also a sense of freedom? Well, I, I love that word too, freedom, because it has so many layers, just like success does also. And uh, let, let me kind of give the big answer and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit. The answer is absolutely. We live a more relaxed, at peace, free life right now than we ever did in the past. And now that's that's taken time. It wasn't immediate. And some, I think one of the things that we kind of have this expectation in life is that things are going to be events that we're building to something. But life, this is my engineer language. I'm an engineer from Georgia Tech out of Atlanta. So life's more of a process. There's a gradual bit of things that just layer. And, and so the failure wasn't necessarily instantaneous. It was, I think it was even worse than that. It was like extremely slow, like I was walking or running in quicksand. But all along the way, there were levels of that, Maria, that I think were critical for me because the first thing that I was dealing with, and this was very important, I think, for discussion about success, is that I was dealing with shame. And listen, as a hard charging type A, this is not a sexist statement, but as a male, <laughs> where, e where ego Ego defines males more than females. And listen, uh -huh. females have it too. It's just, it's sometimes different. It's different. That is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting here thinking that I have arrived. I've put my family, myself, you know, in a position where we are doing great. And then, you know, I was speaking on stages. We had large coaching businesses. We had a national lead generation business. We had a lot of stuff that people would go, oh boy, they've got it. They've got it going on. And then after that starts disintegrating, I'm kind of looking around going, oh boy, my identity must have been tied up in that because I'm having a tough time looking in the mirror. And I, I never would be the guy that one would look at me and say, oh, he's, <laughs> this is my words here. He's so humble and low key. No, I was pretty brash, pretty <laughs> arrogant. And all of a sudden when you lose that edge, Maria, it just like, it takes a lot of the wind out of the sails. I actually believe that this is another spiritual thing. I believe that that's when God was able to step in and say, okay, now I've got his attention. I could do some stuff with Tim now. And yeah. some people may believe that some people don't. That's fine. I, I yeah. just know from my standpoint that I was probably a little bit too full of myself. It, it fed my success. But then when we started going through the process and so the freedom came along the way. And let me give you a couple of them that some people might go, ooh, that kind of bothers me. And some people might go, yeah, I can relate. The first one was when I recognized that we were not bringing in the amount of revenue every month to cover our cost. Now, when you're doing well, you sometimes think about that and sometimes you don't. Because then you realize we're about to go negative. This is going to get really bad. And then it happens, and then you realize I'm still alive. My wife's still alive. We're still married. Our children are still here. And I'm not saying that's good, okay? I'm not glorifying not being able to pay your bills. I'm just giving some of the levels and the layers along the way. Mm -hmm. So that was one level. And then there was the level where we had, because of our real estate companies and all that, we had a lot of debt, and we had a lot of payments that had to be made. 
And I remember vividly thinking, I cannot be late on a payment. So I was borrowing from one place to make a payment here. We saw our debt loads going through the roof. Not a, not a good strategy, okay? Not a good strategy. This is not talking about business strategies for success right here. But I remember when I was getting to the point where I was not going to make some of the payments and I thought that the world would end. Now, someone would say, gosh, that's not freedom when you miss a payment. It was freedom in terms of I recognized my life would not end, that I had to get on the phone and try to restructure things and all of that. We actually, because of the nature of what we did, we went through one of the ugliest things from a financial standpoint that people would have to go through, and that's a bankruptcy. And it was the most degrading, horrible thing. My wife and I going to bankruptcy court and having to lay out everything we've got. And this is what we make or we're not making much. But you brought up the word freedom and I'm going down a negative path to make the point is that sometimes experiencing the things that we have feared the most and recognizing that we can move through it. We're still alive. I still am Tim. My identity really hasn't changed. And my wife still, thankfully, is standing beside me. We still have our relationship. You know what? That is a unique freedom that is so difficult to describe. And there's one other freedom that I want to bring up that, to me, is the most powerful out of all this. Through all this, we said, you know what? We're going to go kind of a minimalist route because we don't have a house. And where are we going to put all this stuff? So we started getting rid of things. And as we did that, Maria, it is amazing how much of a consumption culture and society that we are. And I'm a business guy, you're a business person. I mean, there are business people listening in. We are all about marketing and getting people to buy more of our stuff. But when you start pushing against that and you've got to push, it is extremely liberating to not be sucked into that consumption culture that I call it, just to be, you know, building up and adding things. And you got to work hard at it. But the, one of the more liberating things was when we didn't have anything. You don't have a bunch of stuff to keep up. <laughs> and so I threw, a, I threw a lot at you there. That's a lot of varying degrees of it. So to me, there's so many layers to freedom. And then for the last, you know, 10 years almost now, we're, we've been living in our RV for going on four years. And we've been traveling since 2013. We've got geographic freedom. It's not like we're tied to one place. We could just go. If we decide to go, we just made a decision to stay where we're at a little while longer because where we were going to go, there's flooding and things like that. We were going to go to Yellowstone up in Montana uh -huh. and we can't get to where we were going to go. So we say, you know what? Let's just stay here for a little while longer. The weather's beautiful. We got a good spot. Let's just hang out. That kind of choice. Nice to have Which that freedom. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a definitely a perk of living the nomad lifestyle. I, I know whenever you were talking about not owning stuff, um, it made me think that my grandparents passed away in um, 2018. They had um, owned antique shops their whole life. And when my grandma first started getting sick, she, she got breast cancer. You know, they thought it was going to be a temporary thing. So they closed down the shop and brought everything, you know, home because they were going to quote unquote open their shop back up one day. So they had rooms full of furniture and all the antique things. Um, and they didn't get better actually my grandpa ended up getting sick too and they both ended up passing away and 
they passed away in 2018 and we are still in the process <laughs> of sorting through things and trying to get rid of things. And, you know, if we didn't start doing it right away, because obviously that's an emotional toll, but now it's a physical toll and a mental toll and a financial toll. And it got me thinking. Um, and then I had somebody tell me about, um, there's a book called uh, the Swedish death cleaning guide, which sounds terrible, but it's actually, it's actually about going through this process of getting rid of the things now. So you're not burdening your family with it. And I never thought about things like that. It's, you know, I've always kind of been conscious conscientious on not keeping too much stuff just because I'm a, I'm a neat freak like that but I still had way more than I, I need and I would keep it because well I might use this one well maybe sometime I'm going to you well, may you know but after kind of going through this process you know you realize that number one you don't need what you think you need you know and if you're not going to use if you haven't used it and I I always say it, an easy one is a year. If you've been using it a year, you're never, you're never going, I'm sorry, you're not going to use it. <laughs> you might as well get rid of it if you've not used it. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of those things that I think we all want the feeling in that, of that freedom, but we don't realize how emotionally attached we are to things until we go through the process. And, you know, a lot of that is, I think, you know, we end up tying our emotions and good to, to marketing. We're taught this in school for marketing, emotional selling. You know, why are we taught that? Because it, that we attach emotions to things, to objects, to memories, but you can still have those feelings on things by remembering, right? By, by even snapping a picture in your phone and keeping it or whatever you feel the need to do. But, you know, I, I, I love this conversation on just talking about um, little tiny baby steps, even, cleaning out a closet. And I've said this to people, cleaning out a closet can help change your life. Clean out your closet to help change your life type of thing. They're like, you're insane. And I'm like, well, maybe, but that's where it starts. It's these little tiny steps. And you said something earlier in the conversation, and I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was pretty much that, that it's not this one big event. You know, you don't become successful in one big event. You don't, you know, you don't um, get to where you want to be in life. You don't, you know, make yourself happy or whatever, fill in the blank, you know, term you want to use. It's it's little tiny steps. It's deciding what you want your life to look like and designing it. You design it to be the way that you want it to be. Yeah, it's a process. I think the word I used was a process. And I think many times we have this event minded. We think when we get this new job or when we retire or when we graduate or when we um, make X amount of money or when we buy this new something that life will magically be better. And it might give some temporary joy, but no, life is about steps all along the way. And it's that, that process. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, some of this stuff, you just have to gradually take it. You know, you, you brought up the, I think your grandparents and we dealt with some of that with my parents. My father's just been put into a, a long-term memory care facility and my mother's in a big home. And we know that there's a lot of stuff there. And my wife's uh, mother is in a similar situation. She's in a small apartment, but it is packed to yeah. the max with like two or three bedrooms worth of stuff in there's there's a word i give people a, a gauge here this is something that we did along the way and i think this is good about life anything we've got in our life there's a there's a term called essentialism and i think a guy named greg McEwen wrote a few books on it and there's some of the best books that are out there if you haven't heard the term but it basically is asking ourselves the question what is essential for the mission or purpose that I have in my life. 
And if we have something or we're doing something or we're spending our time doing something that is not essential, then we really need to ask why. And, and we go back, we can go back to what we talked about at the beginning, Maria. Is it because we think we're supposed to do it? Is it something because we see people on social media or our friends do it and we think we have to, or, or it's just, you know, we, we've always done it this way. We've always done it. You know, we've always kept every bit of uh, mechanical equipment that we've ever had in our family. And that's just the way we do it. We're good stewards over that. We don't want to throw an old lawnmower away. Even though it hasn't worked for 20 years, we can't get rid of this old lawnmower. That may not be a good example, but, but, and so we kept seeing this and the, the question that we would ask Maria, is we would hold up something. I'm trying to, I've got a pen here. I'm holding it up for those that might be able to see this. This is a for my remarkable, so it's not a good example, but I've got this pen. And my, my question that I would ask is, is this a blessing or a burden? Is it a blessing or a burden? Now, what would a burden be? Well, I, it's costing me money to keep it. It doesn't really work. I have to fix it every time I try to use it. I store it. So I've got it in a storage facility and it's costing me money every month to store it. I don't know. You know, we could go through all these yeah. different things. Is it take up space? And, and one little joke that they have in, in the family with me, if I don't wear something for six months, I get rid of it. And for those that have the visual here, I'm wearing a black t-shirt. And if you go back and look at my closet, which I'm holding my hands about this wide in the RV, that's about this big. If I don't wear something for six months, I get rid of it. So I've got about four or five black t-shirts and not because of the Steve Jobs or anything like that. It's just simple. It works for me. I'm kind of at an age, I'm 58, where I don't Boy, this sounds bad. I don't really care how I look or what other people think about me. <laughs> and, I so, it. and so it's, it's simplifying things. And, and we just ask, is it a blessing or a burden? And I encourage business people to do that. You know, I'm a business coach. I work with leadership teams. And one of the things we look at all the time is, do we really want growth? Why are we talking about growth? Well, because we're supposed to grow. Are we really? I mean, I'm, I've kind of gotten some scale down portions of my businesses now that if I go back 10, 15 years, I would say, wow, but I had all of this national in scope, spoke on stages, did all these things. But Maria, I've got more money in my pocket right now. What are we really trying to accomplish? And I've got more time. You know, I work in flip-flops quite a bit. Yeah, and I like that. Absolutely. That's that's essentialism. And that's also, is it a blessing or a burden? I might have got off track there. I hope that. No, helped. I didn't know it. I think it was right on track. I'm right there with you. It's, it's, it's hilarious that you kind of mentioned business clothes and stuff because prior to COVID, um, I was traveling a lot and speaking. I was getting asked to do it and I had yes man syndrome. So I was saying, yeah, because, you know, it's better, quote unquote, for the business, even though I hated being gone as much. I don't mind speaking occasionally, but I was traveling every other week. That was not what I wanted my life to look like. I just ended up there accidentally and then I hated it and I resented it, but I didn't know how to stop. So, I mean, I when COVID hit, and it sounds bad because I know COVID was terrible for so many families, but it was a blessing for me. It was because I had an excuse to not go and do these things. I really didn't want to be doing anymore anyway. I had an excuse, which 
you know, looking back, I didn't really need one, but I thought I did. I had an excuse to be like, well, I can't because, you know, COVID, you know, type of thing. Sorry. I'd love to, but I can't now. But I, I got to the point that it wasn't fulfilling my life the way that it did when I first started it. I was just going through the motions and doing it just because. I was doing it just because I thought I couldn't quit. I thought I couldn't quit because I had built it up to this level. And how do, how do you quit that? I didn't even know how to quit that at that point. And you mentioned growth. I would say this phrase all the time to companies when I go in and consult, you know, growth for the sake of growth is pointless and it's true, but I wasn't living that. <laughs> I was still going and doing these things that was costing me so much money. And yeah, they'd pay me some, but by the time it was said, Madam, you've spoke most of the time, you're not making that much <laughs> by the time you to pay everything. It's not worth the time that I was there, the stress, the headache, the, you know, my daughter calling and crying, mommy, I want you home. And I feel terrible, you know, so it wasn't worth it. And I was doing it just because I thought I, I needed to. And I still, I just, I just started going through my closet again. I try to do it once a year. I guess I should do it every six months. You've inspired me, but I've been doing it once a year. But last year when I went through it, I didn't get rid. I got rid of some of my more business attire, but I didn't get rid of all of it. And I don't know why. I asked myself that this year because I hadn't put it on, right? Because I'm not, I haven't been going anywhere that I needed to wear it. And I asked myself, I'm like, why am I keeping this? I'm keeping this because I think I might need it for stuff that I really don't want to do anymore. <laughs> so and it, it was, it, it's funny how we end up keeping these things even keeping things because we think we should, or we need to, or this, I don't even know reason. And I think there's a lot of business owners and just people even that end up there. And it's almost like we need, you mentioned you're a coach. We need a coach to be like, no, put it, have, have you used this? Are you going to use this? No, you need to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you have to be careful with this statement. And I hear, I heard it growing up quite a bit. My mother said this and, and, and we might've even said it a few times during this conversation, the statement, you never know is really, I get it, but it's kind of dangerous because when you start saying, you never know, wide lapels might come back. You never know. Bell bottoms, which they actually sort of have. Yeah. And I, I wish they hadn't. I actually lived through them the first few times. Don't I wish mullets, mullets are another thing. Yeah. Mullet. Yeah. There's just, yeah. there's some things that even if they come back, maybe you shouldn't participate in it again. But uh, all right, Maria, let's, I, let's go deep for just a second here because this is powerful what you brought up about COVID. And I want to go back to what happened with us. You're a consultant. You probably work with leaders and all and work with people. And so you can observe people, but then you mentioned yourself kind of was struggling with similar things, but and I'm the same way. I coach people on how to make adjustments, change. I work with leadership teams and, uh, you know, C-level suites and, and I work with all of them and I help them move forward and all that. But yet my own life, I wasn't able to do that. And, and, and again, this relates to COVID. There's really only two ways that people make significant change to adjust either the chaos or, or impact the success in their lives. Number one, they make a concerted effort to change habits, to do things differently, to bring in help and coaches and other people that can help them adjust and change and make those corrections in their life. Or the second way it happens is a catalytic event occurs and it forces you to change. The unfortunate thing is 
Most people, it's the latter. It's that catalytic event. For me, it was 2008, the downturn. Uh, I think I would have still been clicking right along, country club community, trying to figure out how to play golf, like I thought it was something I should do, living in the big place and all that kind of stuff. And for the world, I am not excited about COVID. There was, it was an odd, weird, who knows what was going on with it. But you know what? It forced a lot of people to evaluate just like you did. It made you change and it made us change. I mean, we had to change our travel rhythm and think about where we went and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we're going through with the world, they're trying to explain this reset and why people are stopping their jobs and things like that. I think it's for, 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 for people having the conversation we're having, it's pretty obvious. People are going through a catalytic event and they're forced to think about what their purpose and mission in life is. And because of that, they're making adjustments. And you know what? I think over long term, it's going to be a good thing. I think it's going to be kind of painful for the economy and supply chain and work and things like that in the interim. But we've gone through a <laughs> catalytic event and the world's going through a change. Absolutely. And, you know, I, me and my husband have this joke that we say between ourselves that we are both two by four across the head type of people. That's our joke that God, God, God can, can't give us subtle little hints. That's, just, that's not either of our personalities. I wish it was. Life would be so much easier, but it's not. It's like a two by four across the head. Like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Gotcha. And so it does. It takes, you mentioned, you know, catastrophic events. It, it takes that. It takes that for me. I wish I, I wish it wasn't the, the, the fact, but if you look historically my entire life, that is just the type of person that I am. It's like I don't even notice. I, I sometimes am optimistic to a fault on things. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are out there and you mentioned kind of the state of the world and, ooh, it's a I can't even hardly get on social media or anything. And I, I quit watching news a long time ago, but it's, you know, it is a mess out there. It's, I, I keep saying, telling people that's a dumpster fire right now. It's like, you, you know, if you happen to get on social media, you know, you're having to scroll through just all the, you know, the despair, honestly, I, that's the best word I can come, come up with is despair. And it's unfortunate, but there have been, some positive things like you mentioned that have come from that people that I know closely that you know they they had the time during the quarantine that they reevaluated a lot of things they were they were home more you know they, they I had people calling me we live on a farm and I'm known as the witch doctor out here and I grow my little plants and I bake my bread and I do all the things and it's always kind of been a joke that I own businesses and I'm you know the little witch doctor out in my garden but during that time people were calling going hey can you teach me how you do this hey can you teach me how you do this and i'm like yeah you know before i was like why would you do that you can just go down to the store and get it and all of a sudden when you couldn't get things all of a sudden it was like this big emergency like you have to show me how you know and it's it's funny those little it's like for a moment i felt like we went back in time for a moment I felt like, you know, we were kind of back when everybody was home and kind of baking the bread and, you know, in their garden and going out and like I used to teach wild edible classes, going out and like trying to find little things. And, you know, it, it, it's funny how those simple things for, for not for everybody, but for a lot of people became important again, because even after a lot of the stuff's been gone, 
I, I hadn't got calls on that class for years. I didn't even like offer it anymore. People were calling me, Hey, Hey, do you do that? Hey, can you still do this? Hey, can you still do this? I'm like, I mean, I, I can, you know, type of thing, but it's kind of refreshing, you know, for that, you know, not thinking about all the other dumpster fire things, but it's refreshing that people were able to find something that was kind of in them. And it was, it was something that it was almost like a rebirth in some ways. Well, a lot of things, I love that too, by the way. In fact, I might want to know more about that because one of the things my wife and I for 20, 25 years have been on a, how can we be healthier? How can we take better care of ourselves? And, and I don't know if you could hear it, but you're about to find out what it's like to live in an RV. There's a lawnmower outside the RV oh, right now. Right. So might no, be a little home coming in. So, so you're welcome to my world here. My, I'm in my podcast studio in the passenger seat of the <laughs> RV, but, uh, but I, I, I love that because listen, it goes back to what we were just talking about. It causes people to begin thinking and doing things differently. You know, they just don't walk down to the grocery store and down the center aisle where all the processed food is. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife and I for years have been thinking about how can we control our food source more? How can we, in fact, I'm going to ask you if you've got room for a 40 foot RV, I'd love to come visit you. You got a farm, that'd be awesome. Um, Because we, you know, we go hang out in places that are not big cities and all so that we can control where we get some of our foods and and try to eat natural and understand more where it comes from instead of just going down to the big box store that who knows where it's coming from because because listen if anything came out of what happened in 2020 2021 into 2022 i would hope people would think they need to build up their immune systems now i'm recognizing a lot of people don't think that way they're, they're thinking I need as much medicine or injections and I don't want to get controversial here, but that's the way some people thinking. And I'm just been thinking, taught. yeah, that's the way we're programmed. Very similar to the way we're programmed to buy more stuff and accumulate more like we were talking about earlier in marketing. And, and my wife and I were thinking, you know, what can we do to be healthier? What can we build up our immune systems even more so than, than we did? We've been, we went through a couple of rounds of COVID and came out of it. Okay. But you know, it wasn't fun, but we want to be healthier and live longer as, as, as best we can. And I've got to chase around two-year-old grandkids. You, you know, you're, you know, you joked earlier. It's like, I can't believe her grandparents like, man, I need to be healthier and fit because yeah. they, they take a lot of energy. They, they, well, and it's funny. I have I have um, big age gaps in some of my kids. My oldest daughter is 23. She's the one that has the two kids, and then my youngest daughter is five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I have like so there's seven. So there's you know a bunch of them in between there. But it's the, the oldest granddaughter. Um, she just turned three, and so she is only two years younger than my youngest daughter. Um, and it, it's, it's funny when my, my daughter graduated and she ended up going into the Navy and she ended up meeting her husband that, um, he was in his second tour. She was in her first tour. He's four years older than her, but you know, she is funny. Cause she always said, cause she was the oldest of seven. She was like, I am never having kids. I'm never having kids. I've had enough kids in this house. I'm never having kids. And it was funny whenever she got married, she called someone she was pregnant. I was like, Hmm, how's that not having kids going for you right now? She's like, hush up. <laughs> It's just funny how that ends up, you know, going on, but I, I enjoy it. It's, it's, I think, sadly, she lives about nine hours away from me, but, um, you know, I enjoy having, not having to be the primary 
like caregiver. I can just love on them and then give them back. That is, you know, that that's that's where it's at right there. You don't have to worry about the whole yeah. day to day thing. <laughs> that, that's the most fun. It's like, you know what? I, I clear my schedule and I become a two year old. Yep. And and I just jump right in and I know I've got a week or two. I'm going to be a two year old. The interesting thing, Maria, is I'm actually really good at being a two-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I can like go, wow, I'm actually really good at this. So, you know, finding fun stuff to do, going to the pool. We were in a place now where we could ride down, look at horses and all that. It's like, wow, this is awesome. Maybe I've missed my calling. Maybe I should go back to being a two-year-old instead of a 58-year-old. But, uh, but yeah, I, I love what you said because I do think, you know, part of life we go through these stages and when we have kids, it's like we're so involved with the day to day and, you know, getting them fed and dressed and making sure they don't, you know, hurt themselves and others and all that. It's kind of like it's very it can be very fatiguing. But then all of a sudden you step into the grandparent role and it's just like fun time. Absolutely. <laughs> and and you don't have to say, you know what, it's it, we do the fun stuff and then hand them back over and all that. And, and I'm wondering if there's other things in life that maybe we should change our perspective about it in that way and not be so maniacal about the day-to-day minutia like we are with kids yeah. and that you probably, you probably have gone through that. If you've got the age gap to you, I bet you're I have. I'm a totally different, different parent. And I mean, my older kids like to point that out because my older ones are pretty close. They're 23, 21 and 20. And trust me, as it is brought to my attention on a regular basis, you would have never, you would have never let me do that. I'm like, you know, whenever I was a younger mom, I was just so worried about messing up. I was so worried that I was going to mess one of you all up. And let's be honest, out of the, the seven kids, the odds are not in my favor. There's going to be one of them, one of them at least, I can't say that's going to be messed up. Something's going to happen. And, you know, I was so focused on it that I, I made more mistakes looking back. I made more mistakes trying to just, just keep them so safe. And I was so overprotective with my older kids. Like I was definitely that the helicopter mom you hear about. That was me. I, I was a varsity helicopter mom and I didn't even realize it. I was just trying to protect them from everything, from everything. And it, it did. Number one, it didn't work. Um, and number two, it made it miserable on me and, and guaranteed more miserable on them. And, you know, with my younger kids, you know, I pick and choose my battles on stuff. I, I pick and I pick and choose my battles, you know, and it, because it's some of those little things that we think are so important. They're not, they're not that important. And you don't realize it when you're going through it. You know, I have the benefit of having, you know, the kind of two sets of kids almost that I'm able to be a different mom now um, with my older kids. I wasn't. And I, you know, I tell my oldest daughter, all the time I call her guinea pig kid. I'm like, you were a guinea pig kid. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was kidding. You know, she was a guinea pig kid. I did, you know, I did my best, but you know, that's all we can do. And there's that saying, I can remember who said that when you know better, you do better. And you know, that's how I kind of try to look at it. I could beat myself up on, <clears throat> excuse me, all the ways that I should have done things different, but I can't change it. All I can do is try to do different from now on. Yeah. The interesting thing, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with failure. Not that, there was a failure like with your first kids, mm -hmm. but it was the, it was the learning process. And while you were talking, I was sitting here thinking, I was trying to in my head real quick, do the number of businesses or companies we've owned. And I think we're on number seven. And, and early on, it was just like every detail was so critical yeah. and everything was so important. And I'm not talking about being slack or lax or anything like that. 
but the businesses that we're running today, I mean, heck, I'm running them from an RV, if that tells you anything. I mean, listen, yeah. if I were quote unquote serious about it, I'd be in a big city and a location where I could, like we were talking about earlier, get to an airport to fly and meet people and all that. No, I can meet people on Zoom. I meet with my clients right here from the passenger seat of the RV all the time, and I don't have to go there because yeah. I've learned I don't have to go there. Whereas, like you mentioned earlier, at one point we thought if you're meeting with clients, you have to be there. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. So I, I think there's valuable lessons in that. That, And unfortunately, sometimes we just have to live it. We just have to go through it. Because if we were to have told our younger selves, say, listen, Maria, you just need to relax. I know this is their first kid, but just chill. You would have gone, I, I am chill. <laughs> and I would have done the same thing with my business and parenting and all that. I go, I, I am relaxed or no, my type A is what's, what's making this work. No, no it I'm wasn't. very type A as well. So I, yeah. I, I see on that. I, I think it's funny. I always talk about how I think business and parenting are so similar. You know, you, you bird this baby and in, into the world and you're just like so hyper-focused on it. Well, at first, just like keeping them alive. Right. It's just like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know if I can do that. I can remember crying, leaving the hospital. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you have to come with me to the nurse. I'm like, honey, I can't go, but you have to, I don't know what to do. You know? And cause I was just terrified that anything could happen any second. Right. And it was the same thing with my business. I, you know, I did the same thing with my business and you get those some same emotions too, that, you know, you love it so much. And, but they drive you crazy. And like, you think about running away sometimes, but you don't because you love it so much. And it's the same thing with the parenting world. I love my kids so much, but sometimes they need to go somewhere else. And, you know, I, I tell new moms and I also tell new business owners pretty much the same thing. You're going to have days where you want to quit and you want to run away, but you won't. And that's okay. Those feelings are completely normal. You know, and I think it's okay to, to have those feelings. And it's, I think it's important for us to have conversations like this because, you know, you can get online and hear all these, like, well, I did this and I did that. And this was wonderful stories, which is great grand and all that. But, you know, I know whenever I was going through some hard aspects of my life and my business, I was, I was listening to podcasts and listening to stuff, trying to hear somebody's story that I resonated with. And it was a whole bunch of, I did this. And I'm like, that helps me zero percent. I want to hear somebody else's in the muck, or at least has been in the muck and they drug themselves out of it. You know, that's what I wanted to hear. And I think yeah. it's important. And, and that's what I love doing that on our podcast. We talk about redefining success. And if I don't get here's what bothers me at times when I get, I call it fluff, but if someone just talks about, yeah, we, we started this company out of a garage and went to seven figures, then we went public and bam, it's like, and I'm going, okay, let's talk about the challenges along the way. And if they say there weren't any, then it's like, we don't have a story here. There's nothing, there's Except nothing the valuable there. That's a story. Like, let's talk about your ability to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's, let's tell the truth here. Okay. But you know, Maria, this is like, this is, this is good because this feeds into something that I put a lot of thought into back might've been a couple of years ago. I was kind of going through reevaluating re all that we went through and trying to say, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently and things like that. And, and also, you know, everything I do kind of has a spiritual tone cause I've got a ministry background also. And I'm sitting here going, what, what's happening here? And, and you actually worded it really well just a second ago. And, and what I started doing was I, I began defining things in a little bit different way. And let me, let me kind of explain that. I think when we, when we have this 
term called leadership, we put people in an ownership role. And let's just go to parenting again. We have this thought that we have the ownership over everything that goes on with our kids. You mentioned the helicoptering earlier. It's like we're, we control everything, but we really don't. We do control some things and we need to be mindful and we need to be diligent and not be neglectful, but we can't control all that. Well, business is the same way. And I would even put so much if someone's in a leadership role in a corporate environment or anything, here's the way I've defined it that helps me. We really do not own anything. We don't own our children. We don't even own, if we even talk about things we have title to, like homes or cars. or And, and I'm a guy that used to own over 100 pieces of real estate, okay? So I can tell you how fleeting that can be. We really are stewards or caretakers or trustees over things, this is me adding a little spiritual to it, over things that God has given us the gift of. So if we have children, I just have two, you've got seven. That's a gift. It's a blessing. It's something that we've been given. And as a steward, our role is to take care of it while we have possession of it so that when we give it back or we, we set it free, it's in better condition, better shape, than when we took possession of it. And I would, I could even take things like not people. Let's take a car. Let's just say that we've been given the gift of a car, even though we purchased it and we have our name on it. We need to take care of it. We need to be a good steward of it so that when we're done with it, we move it along and it's better off. Business owners are the same way. Even if your name is on whatever sign that says you're the owner, I would argue, I've been around a lot of business. I've quote unquote owned business and I've worked with a lot of owners. I'm, I recently counted, I've worked with close to 3000 business owners over time, over a long time. Okay. I've been around a while. I don't think that I could say that anyone really had total, complete, 100% control ownership over their business. Now there are certain aspects of it that yes, they're responsible for and all that. I'm not promoting irresponsibility. I'm just saying from a pressure standpoint, let's relieve that pressure valve and say, you're really a steward. Do the best you can. Be, lead, be a leader to take care of it, but really just put it in a position so that when you give it back, whenever that is, that is better than it is currently or that it better, better, is better than when you took it over. So think in terms of steward, that really does help me quite a bit. Maybe it'll help somebody that's listening in. I think that's good. I think that's the perfect way to put that. And, you know, I wish you had talked to me, you know, 24 <laughs> years ago at this point <laughs> and been like, listen, <laughs> would have saved me a whole lot of heartache. But I mean, I think that's just part of living life and these life lessons. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're right. You said that if you would have come back and told me anything when I was younger and I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have. I was a stubborn. I'm still stubborn, but I was more stubborn then. And I think that's just part of it. you have to kind of learn by living and because I've even seen but, both my but kids. Now, I try but to now we're them. stubborn. Now we're stubborn with experience. That makes this it is much true. better. I love that. I need a name tag that says that. I feel like that would be great. Stubborn with experience. I love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that on my husband when he tells me I'm being stubborn. I'm gonna be like, no, no, I, I was that told that I am stubborn with experience. So he, <laughs> yeah. he's type A too. So I don't know if your wife is type A, but having two type A people in the same household it's either like really really good and really productive or we're like it's it's there's no in between and we've realized that as we've gotten older that sometimes we have to literally designate who's in charge of this project because if not then we're both going to assume we're in charge and it's not going to go well <laughs> well one of the challenges with type a my wife in any other environment 
my wife would be a type A, except for <laughs> around me because I'm like type A plus when I, I was <laughs> when I was in my when I was at my my quote unquote peak or yeah. prime or worse depending on how you look at it. Um, I will say that I have softened quite a bit. There's things, and this is where the stubborn with experience comes in. Yeah. You know, um, I think, it, I don't even know if I'm attributing this quote correctly. I think Mike Tyson might've said that, you know, there's the fight doesn't start till somebody gets punched in the nose. And in many ways, I don't think life really starts until we experience things that cause us to think and reflect. And we've talked a lot about that during the uh, course of the conversation here. And I, I do, I do believe I would not wish what I've been through on anyone, but my wife and I will tell each other all the time. We're thankful that we've gone through it because we, we do believe we're better people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of chill compared to the way I once was. I mean, had you tried to interview me, you know, 15 years ago in the heyday with all our, you know, three big companies and all that, you know, I would have been talking 10 times faster than I'm talking right now. And, I've interrupted you two or three times. I would have interrupted you probably every time you open. I mean, it would just, anyway, I'm hopeful that I'm becoming better. And I think that's just really our goal. I think it's all our goal is let's just try to be, be better. better and move more towards the purpose and identify whatever it is we believe we were created to do. I love that. I think that's a, I think that's a good place to kind of end there. I do want to, um, have you mentioned, you mentioned your book, um, and you also mentioned your podcast and can you let people know where to find you? Sure. Yeah. The best way to find me is at my personal website, timwinders.com and it's Tim W I N D E R S.com. And there they could connect. And again, a lot of what I do is redefining success. So it really fits in well with, uh, with what you're doing here. And, and we're redefining success. Our podcast is interview long form interview, just like we're doing right here. I love having conversations like, like we've had here, Maria. And that's what we have with business leaders, leaders in various roles. And, and then also some people in ministry, we sprinkle in faith and all with, with that too, and don't shy away from it. And, uh, and something weird happened a few years ago. I actually kind of had an idea for a book. I was, I was, my wife and I were traveling. We were nomading. We were on the middle of the North Island of New Zealand and I'd been reading some scripture and I closed the book and all of a sudden the beginning and the end and a lot of the plot points of this, this fictional story came to mind. And, and I do classify it as an inspirational story with a little bit of edge, but uh, I had someone interview me and they said, well, I read this book and it's like a leadership novel. I went, huh, never thought of that, but I guess I could see some things. Anyway, it's just a journey that a middle-aged man goes through. And I'll tell you, it's a pretty painful journey, but it's how he arrives at what real success is for him. And there's some learning points and some teaching things along the way. And, and a mysterious mentor that uh, is the title of the book. The title is Coach. And uh, so uh, check it out. You can get it anywhere. It's on Amazon. It's just recently been released. It's doing very well. Great reviews. So the title of the book is Coach, A Story of Success Redefined. And you can also find information, more information, and download a few free chapters when you go to timwinders.com. So I hope that helps out and can check it out. I love for people, love for especially this audience the people that listen to you to go check out some things we do because I think they tie together greatly. And especially the book, people would really dig it, I believe, because of the theme of what we talk about. 
I'm excited. I'm going to get the book. I'm typing it in Amazon right now. I am quick with my Amazon typing. Ask my husband. It'll be at your doorstep in a couple of days. You can get, <laughs> well, you can get the digital, but man, I love the hardback. I've got a hardback I, right here. Yeah, I, I, like, I like to buy both. I'm that person. Um, even though I try to do less of things, that's not something I do less on as my books. Because I like to listen to them in the car or like if I'm working out or something. But there is nothing like a, a hard copy. I want I want the hard copy. Um, so that's that's something that so far I've not been talked into getting rid of any of my books. But other that than was, that, that was, fair game. <laughs> when we went through downsizing, Maria, that was one of the toughest things we had to do. We took three van yeah. loads of books to our local small town library that we were living in. We doubled their children's section in just what we donated to them. And books are tough when you're in a small space, but I do a little bit of digital, a little bit yeah. of things like that. So yeah, get it. And let me know what you think about it. I'd love to get your feedback. I think it'd be cool for your husband too, because it was sort of written with men in mind, but I've gotten yeah. most of my feedback from women, oddly enough. It's well, I think a lot of, I don't know, I guess I can't speak for everybody's husband. My husband, it's usually like, Hey, you need to read this. And he's like, okay, but he doesn't actively go look for anything to read. Um, so it's just funny. He, it's funny how a lot of times, you know, just people think differently, but yeah, it, I, I figured I was kind of reading, I'm on your website right now and I was kind of reading the, uh, little snippet you have on here. So it sounds like a good story. I'm excited to read it. And I am, um, I'm going to check out your podcast too, because I have not got a chance to listen to it. I had it on my list, but um, I ended up having to do some continuing education. So I had to listen to that instead. So I haven't listened to it, but I will. So <laughs> anyway, I really enjoyed having you on today. And if you're listening to this right now, all the links for all the things Tim related will be in the show notes. So that way you can click and find out and get the book and, you know, follow him on. Um, so yeah, you got Instagram and all that on there. Follow him on all his social media. And it's been great. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, you have to keep me posted on your journeys and your travels. Yeah, Maria, this has been such a fantastic conversation and I've so enjoyed it. We could probably keep talking, but uh, thank you so much for this. It's been a joy for me. Even if I'm falling down, I will keep on searching for my highs. You can say I lost my mind, I will keep on holding my head high. Even if the sky is falling down.